Walking through the forest with you has been a dream Seeing all the beauty in this world Every bird and squirrel Climbing trees and laughing Throwing rocks in the stream But there's so much more we could do, girl Shoot up heroin and walk out in the sunshine Because happiness and sunbeams make me smile Run through the meadow twirling Having such a good time And I haven't cooked a spoonful Welcome to Cast in Wax. My name is Skype White. I am the king of the podcast. I am it with my iron paws because I'm so cool. <laughs> this is episode number 52, and that's kind of cool because that means that if we did it every day, I mean every, well, every week, <laughs> then this would be a year worth. But really, we did it, uh, we did skip some weeks, so <laughs> this is more than a year. Let me introduce now. My co-hosts. Um, first of all, my most royal co-host is Jordan Robot, the robot of my dad, Jordan. Hello, Scapey. I am Jordan Robot, and I am loyal to you always. Thank you very much. I am very happy with your loyalty. Um, also, I have two other co-hosts who are not as good, but they're still here, and I'm I like them okay. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I'm gonna make you go last now. Uh, f- first of all, we have Rory Singen. Hello, Scapey. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Thank you for introducing me before Frank Allen. That's very nice of you. Uh, I do appreciate it. I, of course, am an extra historian. I do the extra historical segments of the show. Yes, yes, yes. Very good. And lastly, uh, Frank Allen. Hi, I'm Frank Allen. I uh, do interviews and debates on the show. So in this episode, I do an interview. Okay, okay, good. Now, everybody uh, is tuning into this podcast probably because they want to hear me sing. I think. Well, I don't know how likely that is. Now, it is true. Jordan Robot, is it true? Every single person who tunes into this podcast only does so to hear Scape sing. It is 100% proven by scientific studies. Thank you, Jordan Robot. So, Rory, is it not true? Uh, well, it's, it could be. There is, I'm sure, a universe where it's true. Well, this universe, it's true. Well, uh, I, I, it, it's, I would... Rory, tell me it's true, or else you know it's true. Well, I could, uh, it, it could be. I, I, you know, I haven't seen those studies, so it's, it's a bit hard to say. It's not hard to say, Rory. It's, watch, it's easy to say. Jordan Robot saying. It's 100% true. The only reason to tune into this podcast is to hear Scape sing. Everything else on this podcast is completely worthless. Except when I tell stories. Except when Scape tells stories. Or, I mean, what about when I talk? Or when Scape talks. See, it's not hard to say. It's easy to say. Well, it's easy to say anything. It's, it's hard to mean it. Well, that's because you're, you're mean. You mean it. Mean. Rory, just spit it out. Oh, well, all right. Uh, What am I supposed to say again? That I'm the reason to listen to the show and that you guys are all, you know, peons. Uh, Well, um, I think that you are definitely, as the host of the show, the person that dictates what the rest of us say and therefore... Uh, you're right. Right, I'm right. Thank you. Finally. Frank Allen, you can take a lesson from that. Yeah, a lesson on how to be a loser. I believe Frank Allen already knows how to be a loser. Well, no, what? No. 
Robot. Good job, robot. Actually, don't listen to him when he says you're bad. Well, I think you're bad. See, I said don't listen. I did not listen. Good robot. No, not... Not good robot. I did not hear you say not good robot. Well, then how did you know that I said it? I can read lips. Oh, really? So then read this. That was very impolite, Frank Allen. You're a very bad person. Yes, you are a bad person. <laughs> are you worried? Well, uh, yes, actually, he is quite a bad person most of the time. Thanks a lot. I thought we were on the same side, sort of, but I guess you're just a giant jerk. Oh, <laughs> you're a giant jerk. But, but Scape, I thought, I thought that you liked me. Well, I like you more than him, but it's funny when he calls you a giant jerk. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the point was that we were going to hear me sing. Okay. So it's time for that time of the show that we... All right, to call. It's all right, all right, we're right to Frank Allen. Yeah, it's a no right, all right, we're right to Frank Allen. The other day, Frank Allen was walking down the street. He always walks along using his two feet, but when we see him, we say it's all right. That was very good, Scapey. Uh, yes, it was quite good. Um, the, the only problem is we uh, we actually don't have anything to talk about on that watch. We're, we're pretty much done with that section of the show, actually. What? We're done. It's, it's over. It's, there's no reason to keep doing it. What do you What do you mean? Well, um, you know, we were, we were doing it because Frank Allen left the show and he had all that money. And then, you know, after he lost his money, we continued it because it was still Allen Industries and they, they had all their money tied up in things and Allen Cable Television and whatnot. Um, but that's all settled now, so there's really nothing to talk about on Apple Watch. It's pretty much over. No, it isn't over. Well, it is. I mean, uh, that's fine. I mean, like I said, it's, it's all right. We, just, uh, we don't have anything to talk about. Well, you better find something to talk about, Rory. Well, I, I, I just, I, I'm just saying there's the, the issues that we would cover. Rory, you don't tell me when the segment is over. I am the host. I tell you when it's over. Well, uh, uh, right, right. Well, what do you want me to do? I, I could I could try to find something. Yes, you will find it. Talk about, Rory, do you listen to our theme song? Uh, yes. Well, what does the theme song say it's about? Uh, it's an apple watch, apple watch. We're watching Frank Allen. So talk about Frank Allen. If I sing this song, we're not getting rid of the show because I get to sing the theme song. If we don't talk about Frank Allen, there's no reason for me to sing a song about talking about Frank Allen. So you got to talk about Frank Allen. He's a Well, hang on. No! Rory is going to talk about you now! Shut up! All right, yes. Um, so Frank Allen is uh, working at, it, at this point, a, a drive through window of a fast food restaurant. And sometimes people will order food, and then he has to, you know, put together the food, and then take the money from them, and then give them the food. And, uh, and I think that he has to say, like, nice things to them, like, have a nice day and stuff like that. Oh, <laughs> that must be hard, because he's a <laughs> yes, of course. It's quite difficult for him, I'm sure, because his instinct would be to say, you know, hey, you, you know, get out of here and don't, don't, you don't get any food. Because <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, no, I mean, I don't do that. But you want to. No, I mean, well, when people are jerks, sure. Well, <laughs> that makes you, you know what? Well, you're going to say an asshole, but you're wrong. No, I'm not wrong. I'm the host of the show. I'm never wrong. So take it back. Um, all right. You're not wrong. So you are a <laughs> You admitted it. Frank Allen's an asshole. You know what that means? That means that Frank Allen is an asshole. 
Yes, Frank Allen really is quite an asshole, did you know? No, Roy, that was the ending theme song of Asshole Watch. It's over now. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, don't try to jump out of my bandwagon, okay? I was done with it. You know, Scape, I, I understand that the Jordan robot can dispense moist food. Is that true? It is true. I can dispense moist food. So you, you might want to have some moist food now. Okay, Frank. Okay, I, I, I know. I know about that. Thank you for pointing it out. But I've been eating moist food basically all day. <laughs> it was really good. But so for now, I'm going to take a break. I figured, like I said, the only reason to tune into podcast is me. So if I'm just eating the whole time, people will be disappointed. So I figure I'll take a hand. Right, robot? You don't have any handscaping. No, robot, you're cute. I meant metaphoric, metaphoric. And I would, uh, you know, be more active in the podcast right now, active. But I'm just saying, that's fine. But I'm just saying, if you want to take a moist food break, you can feel free and I'll, you know, take, I'll take the reins for a minute. Well, that's nice of you to offer, but I think... Like I said, nobody gives a crap about Frank Allen. <laughs> I mean, people are probably like, what's this asshole doing here? <laughs> but seriously, uh, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the one that they want to hear. So, so I want to keep it, you know, pretty, pretty exciting of me. And it is very exciting, it is. Yes, thank you, Jordan Robot. You're welcome. Um, actually, that was me. Oh, oh well, thank, thank you, Rory, yes. So let's get to the first section of the show, okay? Uh, this is going to be called, or the next section, I guess, because Apple Watch was the first section. But now let's get to Epic Echoes. Epic Echoes is an awesome show. Do you know why? Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's called Two Words Named Scapey White, okay? <laughs> I admit it. I play Fortress Fuzzbottom. He is a magic-using cat, basically. He's from a planet where there's lots of cat people, but he is the one who does magic, so he's better. And he's played by me, so he's, like, double better. So anyway, uh, basically it's a show about Fortress Fuzzbottom and some people he knows, I think. Well, I don't think that's typically what it's about, no, because Fortress wasn't even in the first season. Well, but it became, it became the Fortress show featuring the flashback. Well, not literally, because you're not even in the last episode either. Well, t- Spoiler, first of all. Second of all, shut up. Well, okay. Anyway, okay. Let's get to it. This is an episode of, um, Epic Echoes called Time After Time. Here goes. Echoes the Backward Series, Season 3, Episode 7, Time After Time, by Daniel Schwartz. Having dispensed with the Master Archivist of 4044, the Flashpack now had a list of dozens of historically important vampiros and began a blitz across time and space, Keen finding the where and the when, Slaughter's Watch guiding them there, and the Vampirosian Time Guard hot on their trail. Ameth Amelson, Denmark, 1700. Denmark, 1700. Who are you? You're certain doom, monster. Max, you already killed him. Oh, yeah. Enough talk. Who's next? Yikon, China, 1971. China, 1971. What the? 
Nice shot, Dralis. Thanks. It's all in the shoulders. Next one is Braffa Wiridu, Ghana, 2106. <sighs> Ghana, 2106. The flash pack, right? Hey, that one recognized us. I guess the Time Guard is starting to warn people in the past. We may not be able to get many more this easily. We need to hurry. Keen, where's the next target? The next target is... What the heck? The list is gone. What do you mean, Sarah? I thought you uploaded it into your info glasses. I did. Maybe it got deleted by accident. Quick, can you retrieve it? Let me see. No, according to this, it never got uploaded. But how is that possible? We've done all this time traveling. The Time Guard must have paradoxed the list out of existence. Rings of Uranus! Then all of our work was undone? I don't think so, but it means we can't access it any further. That means we'll need a new way to find famous Vampiros before they're ruling the future. That's gonna be tough. Who in the time stream knows about the Vampiros and can travel through time? Well, there's Sir William. The Cavalier Chrononaut, of course! Great thinking, Keen. Yeah, way to go. But that was hard to think of. What's that supposed to mean? But how can we find him? Where do we go to look for a 17th century English time traveler? Didn't we last see him fighting the Vampiros in 3939? Hey, yeah. We could go back to the moment after we left, swipe him out of the Vampiros' clutches, and get help from there. Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Draculograd, 3939. This is really exhausting. One jump through time later found the intrepid flash pack in the dreaded Vampiro City of the future. Tall, morose buildings overlooking a world drained of joy or innocence. On top of the drawing building, Sir William Alfred Wickersham, 14th Lord Duke of Blackmore, formerly known as the Greater North Sea Continent of Britain, battled a squad of the horrific Vampiros. Let's go even the odds, gang. Flashback! Flashback! One laser battle later. Sarah, what are you and your friends doing here? You just left. Actually, William, we've been gone for nearly two months of our time. It's good to see you again. Ah, uh, you as well, Sarah. We don't have much time. We need to get you out of here. Slaughter, how long away can you get us? 1990, 1985, maybe? Make it happen. Let's go, my lord. Gladly. Whoa, where are we? From the posters on the walls, I'd say 1985 to 92. Good job, Slaughter. She passed out. Probably all the time-stepping. Dralis knelt down by Slaughter, arms that could bench-press Quebec gently lifting her head to slide a portacushion under. Around the flash pack was what looked like a closed nightclub. Posters, bumper stickers, and decals littered almost every inch of wall, ceiling, or floor. To one side was a bar, and at the back wall, a stage. So... What can I do for the illustrious Flashpack? We need to know about important vampiros. Who can we take out? Over the centuries, there have been many important vampiros. Can you be more specific? They'd need to be very high profile. With as many progeny as possible, the more we can take out with a single stroke, the better. Say nothing of powerful. One less vampiros to fight later. Maybe it should be near to now, too. Our time stepper can't take any more long jumps for a little while. That would leave the Blutogs, then. The what the who? Lucian and Calliope Blutog. They were turned in the mid-1990s, very powerful and dangerous. By the 3500s, they were practically running the Vampirosian Empire. By the pink rod of submission! Exactly the ones we need to stop. Definitely. I can probably locate them in the present using a seeking eye. Can you build one from what we've got now? I've done it with less. Hey, Fertress, hand me that cocktail glass. Constructing the seeking eye was simplicity itself for the master mechanic, and soon Molly had their immediate physical location. Venice, Italy. A bookstore, I think. Sounds good. Let's do it. I can probably get us all there in one jump. I should probably stay here with Slaughter. She may be found by the locals. Good thinking, Sir William. Let's go, gang. Pico seconds later, in beautiful Venice, Italy, the flashpack found themselves in the back of San Giovanni's rare books. The musty smell of vellum and parchment lay heavily among the ancient tomes.
Where are those jackasses? Probably in front. One spellboat should take care you of- You won't be taking care of anything, Flashpack. Except, perhaps, your tragic demise. Out of the shadows step two sinister vampiros, hand in hand. Their sinister eyes and skeletal frames were draped with the nigh-invulnerable black cloaks of the High Lords of the Empire. The male's face was manic with sadistic glee, the female's icily smirking. Sweet Dickie Feynman! You were already turned! Idiots, we followed you here across time to avenge ourselves. Prematurely. Then get ready to stay dead, jerkass! Dralis rushed at Lucy and her hands clenched into mighty fists. The dreadlord scoffed, flicking her aside with a wave of his arm. The rest of the pack watched as their team's powerhouse flew into the canal. Who's next? I've been undying to do this. Suck laser, monster. Keen, don't. Your laser isn't powerful enough to get through those cloaks. I'll take care of that. Oh, <laughs> You don't think a throw rug in training can defeat the master magician of 3650, do you? Fertress, naked and furless, huddled in a corner, too humiliated to respond. This humiliation was compounded by Dralis' reappearance, dripping wet and fighting mad. As for the rest of you, we're like a Tonkinus! <coughs> oh gods, was that my lung? Her magic is too powerful, we need another way! Surrender comes immediately to mind. Say your prayers, Flash Pack! As Calliope's magic began to take hold of the Flashpack's organs once again, Slaughter suddenly appeared, looking refreshed and wily. So long, punks. The pack found themselves back in the club, now with a band setting up to practice. Who are they? That's Crash, Slam, and Quincy. They're performing here tonight. Why are you letting them see us? No, it's cool. They think we're just drug-induced hallucinations. Hey, she's back! Righteous! Go on, Quincy! Where's Sir William? When I woke up, he told me where you were and left. From there, it was easy. Who are those clowns? Lucian and Calliope. They're big deal vampiros. We may not have much time before they... <sighs> Darn. Nice try, Flashpack. We've cornered you now. We won't go that easily, you vicious vampiric... Vampiros? <laughs> With comebacks like that, I imagine you will. It's almost unfair, beloved. They're hardly worth our time. Hmm, you make a good point, darling. We should give them at least a sporting chance. Uh, hey, people you're talking about right here. My thoughts precisely, dear. Cryptogs? <laughs> Cryptogs! So long, Flashpack. I bite. Anyone know what a cryptog is? It doesn't seem like there's anyone new here. The, the dangerometer indicates a spike of almost 10 megaperils in 2006. We need to get there fast. Everyone join hands. Righteous! What kind of menace can be 10 mega pearls of danger? Who are the Cryptogs? The adventure continues in Epic Echoes, a web of electronic information. In that episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield and Yi Kang, Angela Tymon was Dralis Thornfield, Devin White was Molly Singh, Lynn Nelson was Jill Slaughter, Tongwen Wong was Sarah Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs, Scape White was Fertress Fuzzbottom. Yay! Charles Berman was Sir William Alfred Wickersham and Brothel Weradu. Jordan D. White was Lucian. Magdalena Richards was Calliope. And Elijah Weberhan was Quincy and Amleth. Thank you for that. Oh, I love that you said my name because I am cool, first of all. Second of all, um, yeah, that's about it. That is about it. Are you really, is that all you do, robot? You just agree with whatever he says? I mean, seriously, that does get old. It does not get old. It does not get old, Frank. I pay him good electricity to do that. He does pay me good electricity to do that. And you like when he does that for some reason? Yes, I like it, obviously, duh. That's why I pay him electricity. And do you pay for the electricity in your house? No, duh. 
Dad does. Does he know that there's a robot of him on his show, like, ruining his good name? It's not ruining his good name. We don't pass him off as Jordan. We say Jordan Robot. But now that you mention it, it would actually be kind of cool if we sent him out to be Jordan and, like, got money or something. No, that's not honest. You can't do that. Escape that's despicable, and I will tell Jordan. You won't, Frank. I will. Not if you want to start your podcast, you won't. <laughs> I could start my own podcast. You can't. I know you're an idiot, so don't worry about it. Anyway, what's up next on the show? Up next is um, This Day in History, and Where Are They Now in History, which are my section of the show. They are a section in which... Really? We... Yes? Did I say that you could explain your section of the show? I was I was asking what's next, and but I decided what's next. It was rhetorical. You don't get to tell me what's next in my show. Well, it's 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 it's, it's somewhat of a tradition. We always do after the first you know serial. We'll then go on to this day in history and where are they now in history. Yes, but that's up to me. I say what's traditional. Well, by nature, I think traditions sort of crop up on their own. You know, you can't just decide a tradition. I mean, you can, but one's already been established in this case. Yes, but I could look, Rory. Whose name is on the podcast? Uh, no one. I guess it's Cast in Wax. Okay. But if there was a name, my name would be the one. Uh, well, yes, I suppose at this point, yes. I mean, obviously it was your, your father's first. No, he left it to me when he when he passed on. He didn't die. No, he passed on the podcast. He passed it on to me. Oh, yes. Okay, fine. But 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 but, but what I'm saying is, it's always been that. Well, not maybe not always, but for the most part, for a very long time now, we've always had it. Then. Well, I'm changing it up. Frank Aaron, you go next. Well, no, wait, actually, what about the same history and where are they now in history? But I don't know, man. It's up to me when they come out. Frank Aaron, you go. Who's on your interview? Uh, well, actually, uh, it's good that you would put me here because I actually had Max Lornfield on my interview show taken directly after he finished that episode of Epic Echoes. Uh, while he was in transit, I pulled him out of the time stream and got him in one place and sat, and I sat him down and did a little interview with him. Excellent. Excellent. Does he talk about how awesome Fortress Fuzzbottom is? Uh, no. Actually, no. He doesn't even mention him at all. Oh. Well, then why do I want to do this interview? Well, uh, because I recorded it and because, uh... Anything that's good that happens in it, people will automatically give the credit to you because it's your podcast. Oh, that's a good point. Ho, ho. All right, well, let's get to it. Yes, let's get. Frank Allen Interviews, starring Frank Allen. Hello and welcome to Frank Allen Interviews. My name is Frank Allen, and this is a very special interview. Uh, we do have, uh, we used our uh, copious amounts of resources to get some help from Dr. Stelloff and pull Max Thornfield of the flashback uh, out of the time it? stream in mid-transit uh, between hey, the episode of Epic Echoes you just heard a funny, few minutes ago and uh, the episode that you heard guys, like a couple we weeks ago. A, so we've just pulled him out of the time stream, uh, and I'm going to interview him uh, because, of course, he is, guys. as you know, uh, a war criminal and an enemy of the Empire of the Vampirosian Empire. So, Mr. Thornfield, how do you defend yourself? Whoa, whoa, whoa. War criminal? Well, yes. You've kind of, uh, from my understanding, you and your flashback have been recently traveling through time, killing very, very famous and notable uh, members of the Vampirosian Empire, uh, just killing them outright. Kill? Yes, but yes, that is what we do. But so you confess you are a war criminal and you will be turned over now to custody? Uh, hang on a second. that That's not a war crime. We were preventing future despots from coming to power. It, is this some sort of va vampirosian conspiracy right now? Is this As how I said, I did pull you out of the time stream in transit to get this interview with you because you are a noted war criminal and an enemy of the Empire. I am not myself a vampirosian, but of course, if they are going to be our masters for years to come, I would like to ingratiate myself to some extent. But 
I think it's reprehensible what you and your group have been doing. Oh, I see. You're a sympathizer then. Well, I think sympathy is a good thing to have. Not to the Vampirosians. They're murderous warlords. Look, what we did was necessary to prevent the death and or suffering and or torture of millions. No, I take that back. Countless billions of innocent lives. Are you sure it's billions? Might even be trillions. Think about it. We're, we're thinking fourth dimensionally here. You know, there are just untold generations who are going to suffer at the hands of the Vampirosians because you decided to pull me out of time and try to haul me before a war crimes tribunal. Now, let me ask you a question. Correct me if I'm wrong. Every Vampirosian you killed sired many, many Vampirosians of their own, correct? Yes, I suppose this is true. And typically speaking, Vampirosians are made from humans. Yes. Uh, where are you going with this? So all those humans that you're saying you saved, for every one human you saved, that's a Vampirosian you've killed. Go on. Well, I'm just saying that for every person you saved, you saved, you, you killed someone. So, you know, it kind of automatically makes you kind of evil. You killed a lot of people. Uh, continue. Well, that that's it. Go on. No, I'm done. That, that, you, you have killed countless billions, possibly even trillions. Okay, team. He's making some pretty good points here. So, I'm going to have to resort to some pretty unconventional tactics, but I think if we have our minds in the game, we can win this one. Ready? Flashback! Who are you talking to? Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, no one. Um, yeah. Ah, this is gonna be tough. Alright. Um, thinking, thinking, thinking. This is... Alright. Um, yes, I suppose that preventing a human from becoming a Vampirosian does effectively kill a Vampirosian, but standing by and doing nothing kills the human. And which would you rather have on this earth, the human or the Vampirosian? Well, what I would prefer is irrelevant. Who are you to decide who should own the earth? Who are you to decide that I committed a war crime, though? Well, I just looked it up. Don't you think some of those humans, or maybe most, if not all those humans, would rather prefer to stay human than become a Vampirosian? Well, possibly. But, I mean... Correct me if I'm wrong, I think you're attempting to commit genocide. I think I'm attempting to prevent the genocide of humans. Well, I mean, there might be both humans and vampiros for a while. Um, I think I'm trying to prevent the genocide of humans. Are you saying that the only solution to stop a genocide is a, is a counter-genocide? Well, let's look at it this way. Imagine a huge racial-level Mexican standoff that's going on between the humans and the vampiros. You know, this has got to be resolved some way, like... Uh, Did you even try peace? Well, they kind of started it. That's mature. They took over the world in the future. We're just supposed to sit there and let them do that? But how do you know they did it violently? Maybe they just uh, won a lot of elections. Yes, I'm sure the Vampiros party has a very strong grassroots movement going on in the future. I'm sure the fact that they, like, punctured people's necks against their wills has nothing to do with it whatsoever. Well, are you saying you don't know the future? I have a time stepper in my party. How can I not know the future? So you know how they took over. I, I'm sure she knows. So you don't know the future. Oh, the future is a is an interesting thing. We kind of all make our own futures personally, and we're just trying to make a better one for us and our children, and our children's children, and our children's uh, stepchildren that they don't really like, but they kind of got them through the marriage they had. But you don't want to make a better world for the vampiros or their children or their children's children or the other thing you said. And you know what they say about people who don't know the future? They make an ass out of you and me? No, if, if you don't know your future, you're doomed to repeat it. Wait, I, th I thought that was for the past. If you don't know your past, you're doomed to repeat it. Well, it works both. I would think it would work both ways. Wait, how do you repeat your future? Do you, like, retroactively repeat it in the past? Well, I mean, you can't, well, it's like you don't know what it's going to be, so you just do it and you don't know. 
that you're doing. So anyway, about these stepchildren that no one really likes, but they're just part of the marriage. You that see? sounds like a good metaphor for the vampiros. They're like your stepchildren that you don't even like, and now you're going to kill them for it. Okay, I don't know any stepchildren who personally bite people's necks to convert them into other stepchildren on a regular basis. Now, if you really want to make this metaphor, I'm all ears, because I really don't see it working. Well, I don't know. It's like uh, you have a stepchild, right? And they go out and they get married, but they still don't have a job, and their wife doesn't have a job, so now they're both leeching off you, and then they have kids, and you've got to pay for those kids, too. Besides, I've never even met Lucian's mom, and I don't think she'd be a very nice person to marry. Lucian didn't even seem like that nice of a guy. He was kind of, like, hurting our organs a lot. Ouch. All I'm saying, look, all I'm saying is, it seems like you and your fellow group, I don't know why I said fellow group, but you and your group have taken it upon yourself to kill a race of, you know, quote-unquote people. It's not really killing, it's more preventing. And it's preventing a race that came about through the death of a lot of members of our own race. You see, you're just genociding if you do, genociding if you don't when you think about it. Which goes back to the point I was making before about Septio and how no one really wants them. Wait, how did that have anything to... Damn it, I need Molly here to help me think. Were you a stepchild? Is that why this is happening? Oh, I never did know my dad too well. Does that make you a stepchild? Is that how... I thought stepchild was your, your mother marries somebody else. Go on. You weren't even a step... According to my bio of you, you were not even a stepchild growing up. So I don't understand your obsession with stepchildren, but I do understand your obsession... Well, I don't understand your obsession with killing vampiros, but I understand you have one. Uh, I have an obsession with making sure the future doesn't suck, yes. But if there are vampiros, it will suck more. Exactly my point. If there are vampires, it would suck more. Therefore, we have to prevent this. Uh, well, no, that's not what I meant to say. But what I look, all I'm saying is it sucks to you, but it's it's better for them. So all I'm saying is, well, you're one person and you say it will suck. But they're like billions of people and they say it doesn't suck. So they win. We're human beings, though. We're also billions of people. Probably trillions if you're like talking about all the generations and all the time periods in which the vampires have existed. But all of those people can become vampiros and keep on going. They're not going to like it too much. Just gonna kind of suck, and it kind of happened against their will. It only sucks for them before they're vampiros. Once they're vampiros, they like it. Then they're not really them anymore. They're kind of soulless and undead and nasty, and they have bad breath. They should brush their teeth. So let me get this straight. Then what you're doing, you're not really doing a genocide. You're doing a genocide abortion. I thought we established that like 10 minutes ago. Look, we're not really doing a genocide abortion here. It's more of a disease abortion when you think about it, because there's been a lot of scientific studies and a lot of stuff that's the states back to, say, centuries ago or maybe like 10 years ago, based on whatever podunk time period you pulled me into just now. But there's so much information that's, that dictates that vampires are not so much of a race, but more of a end result of a disease. Like, the very well-known journal Blade, which comes in DVD format and perhaps a holographic format, depending on what time period we're in right now, demonstrates this very well. Vampires are brought about as a form of virus. Uh, did you, I'm sorry, did you call Blade a journal? Uh, yeah. I personally did a lot of research in preparing for my hunt for the vampiros by watching such journals as Blade, journals on vampiric behavior, and a little bit of the much more popular journal Buffy as well. It's because it's, you're calling it a journal, like like the New England Journal of Medicine? Yeah. 
the it's just the, these are journals for dealing with vampires and they I mean it has it was published so long ago too that it's become really a seminal sort of text that I don't know about other people but I personally can't see myself going out into the night to kill these vampiros without reading these texts or watching these texts first and you're a time traveler well yeah of course okay well I'm just gonna let that go for a minute maybe I'll come back to it um but you admit that you hate vampiros oh hating the vampiros whether or not I do is inconsequential to this. It's more I hate the world in the future in which they are decadent rulers of humanity. That That's the part that kind of sucks. And isn't that kind of racist in a way? Of you? No, of the vampiros! Look, it's not the human's fault that we're all born as humans and thus can't rule the world the way the vampiros do in the future. Why did they make that rule? So you admit that humans are inferior? No! You just said they can't rule the world in the future. According to the vampiros who rule the world and not us, yes! Look, vampiros love humans. They love to eat them. That's why they nearly crushed my internal organs during that fight in Italy just now. Well, you're a human, and they want to eat you, I'm sure. How is that? Oh. It's like I love macaroni and cheese, and uh, vampiros love you. But that's a different kind of love. That's a... I love the feeling this thing gives me when it's going through my digestive system. That's not so much love for the actual thing. Well, it still sounds like you're a vampirophobe, whether you admit it or not. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that you... I, the question is, really, whether you're a vampirophobe because you're really a closet wanting to be a vampiro person. Then why didn't I just throw the fight to Lucy and let myself become a vampiro? That's what the closet thing. It, the whole point... Look, have you never heard the term in the closet? It's, it's this thing that people use when they're talking about someone having a secret and not wanting to reveal something about themselves. Like, uh, oftentimes, they would be talking about someone who's homosexual who's not going to admit that they're homosexual. So they'll say, oh, they're in the closet. So what I'm saying is that Max Thornfield is in the closet in this case. So you're implying that I'm homosexual. Well, I'm, no, I, I wasn't going to go there because, you know, that, that's pretty documented. I'm talking about the vampiros nature, that maybe you really want to be vampirosian. Wait, what peer-reviewed journal said I, said I was uh, homosexual because... That, that's just a lie right there. No, the point is not that you're gay. The point is that you want to be a vampiros. The, the point is quite clearly that I'm not gay, actually. And let me guess, you don't want to be a vampiros either. Oh, no, not overly. So, okay, I think we can see where the truth lies. Who would you rather be? Homosexual or a vampiro? Are you asking me, for real? Rhetorically, but you can answer if you want. You're asking me rhetorically? I mean, me personally, I'm nothing nothing against gay people. I think I'd rather be gay than be a vampiro. Why would you say nothing against gay people, but I like them more? How would it be against them to say they're better? Oh, no, I... I'm confused. Look, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The point is, I think it's pretty obvious that you are in the closet about something, and I wish you would just come out. Oh, it is really dark in here. Like in this room that you pulled me to. Where are we, anyway? When are we? It's a recording studio. It's 2000, uh, what, 9? I guess, I don't know, 9? Wow, you don't even have super internet yet. No, we're just on the regular internet. Look, the okay, fine. Look, you're a war criminal, right? No. Ah, yes, say yes. I plead not guilty. But you but you killed lots of vampiros. That I shall plead guilty to. So you're guilty. Guilty of one in a human world? Yes. You're making this very difficult. I'm trying to get you to admit to being a criminal. Why would you want to do that to me? Because then I would have proven that you were... Look, it gets me, you know, I become a, I'm a journalist and, you know... But journalists don't usually go around hating me. They more, like, go around liking me. Well, I'm, I'm a dark horse. I'm a, I'm a rebel. I'm a rebel. And when I'm shown to be right, and you are in shackles, I... Look, I have... Listen, let me tell you something, okay? This is serious. What What is serious? I happen to know. I have inside information. And I know for a fact that the vampires are gonna kill you. Well, I'll just have to be that much more awesome and kill them before they kill me. No, you can't. 
they're going to kill. Look, I'm telling you, they're going to kill you. But listen, since they're definitely going to kill you, I'm just thinking, can't I just get a little bit of that glory? Can't I just take a little bit of the credit and then I'm raising myself up? You're going to die anyway. Wait, so you're going to kill me? Why, why, why do you want to kill me? No, look, I don't have anything against you, really. I'm fine. You can kill all of Empiros you want. But what I'm saying is, I know they're going to capture you. I know they're going to kill you. Can't I get this expose where you admit to it and they can use it in evidence and I get to be famous? So you want to make money off my death? Well, yeah. Yeah, look, I'm, it doesn't make your death any less happen. Well, yes, it's going to make my death less happen because I'm just so awesome that I'll just kill them before they kill me. That's just that easy. You're not going to do it. Look, you're not going to do it. You're going to die. I will bet you, all right, do you have a million dollars? If you put it in escrow so that after you're dead, I can get it, I'll bet you a million dollars. Now you're trying to swindle me out of my... What is this 2009? There are a lot of horrible people this time period, aren't there? No, it's there's just, it's just me. I'm the only one you've met and I'm not horrible. Look, I'm just saying, look, it's like, it's like we all know it's going to happen. It's a fact. It's proven. In the same way it's like if you bet someone the sun's going to come up and you're like, well, I know the sun's going to come up and it does. You're not exploiting the sun. You're just, you're, you know what's going to happen. You figure, why not? Crazy moons of Charon. I just don't know what I have to say to that. It's just, can I go back and kill more things now? So you admit you killed them? Yes. I've admitted it like five or six times by now. Well, that sounds like the best I'm going to get. So fine. I'll send you back. Okay. So we need to get into a huddle first. Um, b- by the way, w- what's your name again? Frank Allen. Okay. Mr. Allen, before we do this, I just need you to know this has been a rather difficult debate, but I feel that if we put our minds together, we can find a way to somehow, someday, make some sense out of everything that just happened over the past 20 minutes. Ready? Flashback! I'm not a member of the Flashback, so I don't know why you're trying to... Well, you could join the Flashback fan club. They're all honorary members of the Flashback. For free? No, um, you have to pay, like, a nominal membership fee. Well, I'm not gonna pay... Look, alright, I'm sending you back now. You've been no help. Uh, you're welcome. Goodbye. That was my interview with, uh, Max Thornfield. I didn't get to prove that he was a war criminal, but I think if you listen between the lines, you, you'll hear that he was. So, uh, see you soon with another Frank Allen interview. Frank Allen? Uh, yeah? You spent that entire interview trying to prove that the flashback is evil people. Well, yeah, but like I said to him, we, we've heard an episode where we know that the flashback dies or that they get their 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 dead bodies. So clearly, uh, the vampiros are going to kill him. I mean, Dralis is going to be possessed, and she is going to kill him. So you know, again, why not let me get some of the the juice from that? You know. Or oh, we also know that he gets rid of all the vampiros forever. Well, yeah, sure, of course he does. But I'm just saying, there, if there's going to be a time when I can get some juice, why do you even want juice? Juice is gross. Well, that depends on what kind of juice. I'm talking about like you know power, and maybe you don't like orange juice. Hey! But you like the juice that is in with your moist food. Oh, yeah, that's, well, I don't get this much sauce, but yeah, yeah, I've ripped it all off. Robot, why don't you give him a little, a little of that moist food juice? I can do that. No, Robot, I said don't do it during the show because I need to stay in control of the podcast. If I have moist food, it will distract me and I will be like, oh, oh, nom, 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 nom. But I won't be doing the podcast. So don't, not right now, okay? Wait till after. I shall wait till after. No, you really, you don't need to worry about it. Just let him, let him have some now and. Frank, uh, no! Don't you ever step your bounds! No, I'm just saying that if if you you can go right ahead and have some, I'll just take you know the range of the Frank show for a while and, and I'll steer us through some of the trouble Quiet spots. Down. And look, All no, right, it's really it. no problem. It's not a problem. Wait, wait, what? Frank, you, Frank, you, Frank, Aaron, you should learn that I am the master of this podcast.
And you do not disobey me. Ever. Right, robot? That is correct, Scapey. Right, Rory? Um, yes, no, I would never. Well, which, whichever answer, I don't know if it was a yes or no answer that was required, but yes, I would never disobey you, no. Good. Good. And now, Roy, because you're good, right this minute, I'll let you do your this day in history. Oh, thank you very much, Scapey. Thank you very much. Welcome to This Day in History. I'm WHRW Binghamton. My name is Rory Sinjin. On April 27th, 1521, after traveling three quarters of the way around the globe, Portuguese navigator Ferdinand Magellan is killed during a tribal skirmish on Mactan Island in the Philippines. Magellan was hit by a poisoned arrow and left to die by his retreating comrades. Let's listen. Hey, Filipino natives! Do not come at me bearing that spear. You could put somebody's eye out with that. <laughs> ah, goodness, my eyes and the rest of me filled with spears will not complete sailing voyage around the world. Avenge me. This guy's a drag. Let's go. The crew left his corpse behind, but as they did not want to die when they got to the next island, they did invent the rule, don't throw things at people's faces. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But don't throw it in my face yet. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Casting Works. And don't throw things in people's faces became the rule of law all over the entire world, and was punishable by death, oddly enough, which also is not very good, but that's a moral for another day. As a matter of fact, the trial of the century, so to speak, was a case all about not throwing things in people's faces. There was, in fact, a young girl who threw a ball in another young girl's face. She was immediately arrested, she went to jail, they had a giant trial, and the defense argued that she was just throwing the ball, and that the face moved into the path of the ball after the ball was thrown. But of course the, the prosecution was arguing that no, she was in one steady place and the ball was thrown directly at her face and it hit her in the face and caused temporary pain and embarrassment. In the end of course they had some crime scene analysis that she was not in fact moving at the time she was sitting in one resting location based on the way that the, the imprint was made on the couch. So they did put the girl who threw the ball to death. Now on that world obviously you would follow that rule because you wouldn't want to die. On our world, you know, it's more of a courtesy thing. You know, People don't like having things smacked into their faces uh, so don't throw things in people's faces. It's really just as simple as that. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Wow, Are They Now in History? I'm Cast and Wax. Oh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Uh, Frank Owen, did you have anything you want to say about this day in history and where they're now in history? <laughs> no, nothing. That's really weird. Usually you would complain right now. That's strange. <laughs> would you like me to stop him from breathing? No, no, that's okay. That's okay. He's all right the way he is. All right, then. So, Rory, thank you very much for that. And I won't throw anything at your face now. <laughs> well, thank you. And I will not throw anything at your face either. You would not be allowed to throw anything at my face. I would kill you. Well, of course. No, I, I, and of course, I would never. No, and I would never. So, I'm just, I was just confirming that I would never do that. And I will never. No, there would be no point in doing that. And there would be no goal of doing that. So, there will not be any doing of that. Because, like I said, courtesy. No, not because of courtesy. Because I am your superior. Well, yes, and and the superior, yes. That also is a reason. All right, then. All right. So, let's see what's next on the podcast. Um, oh, it's a show that is called Rake Daughter. Okay. Uh, this is the show that used to be about Rake Mother, but now it's about Rake Daughter. Okay. She was like, mother the spy, mother spy, spy mother. And now it's like, daughter the spy, daughter spy, spy daughter. Kind of. But she's not really a spy, she's just like, hey, what's going on? Craziness? Oh, okay. That's basically what's going on. That is a very good summary of what's going on. Yes, it's, 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 it's pretty much the way I, I understand it, yes. Fran, do you agree? <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad we all are in agreement, Dad. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Let's get to Rake Daughter now. 
Psych Daughter, Episode 4, In Right Minds, by Daniel Schwartz. Pandora Darling watched her homecoming date, Bobby Kurtzman, as he slept off the events of the previous night on her couch. The evening had been ruined by a kidnapping, crazed cultists, and an insane policeman, and she figured he'd earn some rest. Since inheriting her late mother's quest to defeat a vast evil conspiracy, Pandora hadn't had much sleep. She felt a brief stab of envy for him. Suddenly, he twitched and snarled. Hey, Pandy. Hey, Bobby Socks. Sleep well? Oh, pretty well. How are you feeling? You were shook up last night. I was. Still am. I've just got it more under control now. Totally. I'd never know you'd beaten up a corrupt cop last night. That's good. Police don't usually take well to that sort of thing. <laughs> no kidding. So, where is he? He's in the basement. Don't worry, he won't be waking up for a while. Good. Man, could you believe that guy? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, all the Orson S. Interpolitansky, guardian of goodness, snuggler of puppies? <laughs> I went to college and know karate, with which I defend justice. (laughs) I'm sorry, I don't know what came over me. I just... Cool it, Bobby Socks. If I minded, you'd know. Oh, good. Listen, I found this thing on the cop after I got him secured. Whoa, neat. Looks like some kind of special flash drive. A what now? It stores memory and is totally portable. This end must plug into a computer, but it doesn't look familiar. That makes sense. I found what it fits in. A clock? That's what it looks like. Watch this. Wow, that's crazy. That's my mom for you. This must be how she got information from cask agents about their activities. It's some kind of recording device? I guess so. Maybe this end acts like a microphone. Maybe. Look at these folders. Innocuous January 2005. Innocuous December 2004. Innocuous November 2004. Sounds like Officer I didn't do much that was very interesting. Mostly, yeah, but then there's this one. Red flags. I think it's able to sort through what it hears based on program parameters. That's some pretty advanced technology, especially in such a small package. World-spanning conspiracy. They can probably afford some fancy stuff. So what are these red flags? Mostly recordings of my mom. What? Listen. No, no, I'm an airline stewardess. After all the hijacking scares, I figured it's time to learn a little self-defense, you know what I mean? The cop knew your mom? Apparently she spent some time at the Carousel Academy School of Karate, too. Your mom? But these are less than a year old, and your mom was some sort of crazy ninja. I think she may have been trying to infiltrate them. Follow the acronym. Carousel Academy School of... Cask! Oh, man. What's that saying? It isn't paranoia. If everybody's really out to get you. I guess it's the world that's out of its mind, and we're still sane. So your mom infiltrated a cask cell to gain their confidence? I guess so. I'd better check it out. You can't be serious. My mom died fighting these people, Bobby. I need to stop them. Then I'm going with you. Are you crazy? You could get killed. I've made it this far, right? So far, you've been lucky. That won't last. That's a chance I'm willing to take. I can't watch my back and yours at the same time. I can take care of myself. No, you can't. You'll get us both killed. I don't want to live without you. What the hell? What does that mean? I love you! Do you really? Of course. Why do you think I've stuck with you this far? I want to be with you no matter what. I I don't understand any of this, Pandy. Secret conspiracies, insane policemen, assassinations. Your life's like a Dan Brown novel. But if it's what happens to you, I want to help you every step of the way. Everyone I felt that way about is dead. Well, then I guess there's an opening for me, right? Fine. We'll go together. But first, give me your hand. Um, okay. Where are we going? Upstairs. Okay. What's upstairs? 
There's something I want to do. Several hours later, Pandora and Bobby walked into the Carousel Academy School of Karate. Inside, she was greeted by a tall, well-muscled man in a master's robes. Afternoon, kids. What can I do for you? We're actually hoping to find out more about the school. Well, I'd be the person to talk to. Charles Kane, Dean of the School. Nice to meet you, Miss... Oh, I'm Pandora, and this is Bobby. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Kane. Call me Chuck. Pandora, that's a very distinctive name. Your mother gave it to you? Why do you ask? Well, a friend of mine had a daughter named Pandora who'd be about your age. Hope, darling? That's my mom. I thought so. Come to my office. Pandy, what are you doing? This guy's cask. I don't think so, Bobby. Mom trained me to recognize people lying, and he wasn't kidding when he called her a friend. Either way, he recognizes me, so we might as well go with him until we know more. Just play along, okay? Okay, but I still think this is a mistake. That's some privacy, at least. I was so sorry to hear about your mother, Pandora. She was a good woman fighting the good fight. Wait, you know about her... thing? The conspiracy? Of course. First time we met was when she saved me from them. She saved your life? You better believe it. I was on one of her flights, guarding a client. I was private security at the time, Blackwell, and she warned me just before the hijackers made their move. After that, we started talking, trading combat stories, things like that. She told you about Cask? She explained how she knew about the hijackers and how she was fighting the conspiracy they were a part of. Since then, we kept in touch, comparing notes on weird things we saw and heard about that could be part of Cask. She was the one who convinced me to come to Carousel after my contract with Blackwell was up and take over the school of karate. But the- the acronym. We thought... I didn't like it when Hope suggested it either. Too obvious, I told her, especially with academy and school being redundant. But she said it'd help us lure out operatives in the area, thinking it was a sell. So far, she's been right on the money. Members of CAS come here to meet? Not all of my students are members, so Hope had to come in for herself and start to tell who was who. But yeah, a few at every level, a couple in every class, and none of them seem to suspect that I'm working with their most vicious enemy the whole time. Why didn't she ever tell me about you? She couldn't risk compromising our secret, especially as some of the students began to catch on. Also, she said you weren't comfortable with her hanging around men. I don't see what that has to do with anything. Well, after your father died, she was just worried that you'd take the presence of another male figure the wrong way. So, did Mrs. Darling tell you which of your students were cask? Yes, I kept the list at my house for safekeeping. I can get it to you by tomorrow. Cool. After that, what do you think the next step should be, Penny? (sighs) Well, Mom started this thing... I need to finish it. I'm glad to hear it. That means I can give you this. Give me what? Your mom always knew she ran the risk of getting killed before she finished teaching you. She figured you'd find your way here eventually, and that if you were ready, I should put her plan into effect. Her plan? She called it the Kill Situation Assistance Contingency. Hey, don't look at me. The name was her idea. Anyway, I'm supposed to give you this box and help you however I can. This looks like really advanced technology. How does it even work? Look at this over here. Looks kind of like a camera. It may be a retinal scanner. Put your eye up to it like a telescope. It worked. It's open. Looks like there's a recorder in here. Hey there, potato. If you're listening to this, I guess I'm dead. New friends, but also new questions. How will the kill situation assistance contingency work? Can Pandora trust Chuck Kane? What is her next step in the fight against Cask? Like Daughter continues next week with Pandora's Box. In that episode of Like Daughter, the narrator was Charles Berman, Pandora Darling was Guinevere Eckert, Bobby Kurtzman was Jordan D. White, 
and Chuck Kane was Joe Rude Coppola. Thank you for listening to Right Daughter, everybody. I know you probably just were waiting to get me back on, but I'm back on now, so it's all good. Um, hey, guess what time it is? It's time for listener mail, which means I'm going to sing a, ri- a song about the show so far, okay? Dum, 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 dum. Scapey is the only thing I rest in for. Scapey is the bestest in the whole wide world. Scapey is the bestest thing to rest in for. Everybody loves him. Did you know that? No, you didn't. Scapey, Scapey is the best. Scapey is the bestest in the whole wide universe. Scapey, Scapey is the best. Scapey is the bestest in the whole wide universe. The universe is very wide. Did you know how wide the universe is? It's like at least 27 million times bigger than you thought the first time you thought about how big the universe was. Did you know that you're dumb? <laughs> because you're not going to escape Yeah. That was amazing. Yes, that was amazing. Yes, absolutely amazing. I was amazed, as they say, in the Amazon. Oh, well, thank you, Rory. Thank you very much. And thank you, Robot. Wait, hey, Robot, how did you clap if you're holding Frank Aaron? I used my extra clapping arms. I had clapping arms installed so I could clap when you sing no matter what. Oh, that was very smart of you. That was very smart. Thank you. Okay, so, like I said, it's time for listener mail. If you want to write to us, you can write to castinwax at gmail.com. Castinwax at gmail.com. Gmail.com. Castinwags at gmail.com is the email to write us at. Castinwags, so castinwags. Castinwags at gmail.com. Very good. Very, very good. It was an impromptu. Very, very good, actually, yes. Thank you again. Okay, so, like I said, castinwags at gmail.com. We did get a letter. So, Roy, do you want to read this letter? Uh, Yes, no problem. It's addressed to Jordan, actually, uh, but not Jordan Robot, uh, to the actual Jordan. It's from someone whose name is uh, apparently Garth Black. It says, Dear Jordan, I realize that you are no longer hosting Cast in Wax, but it is my hope that you might be listening or that your former co-host might pass it on to you. Since I know from your shows that you are familiar with Alter Earth, which exists right behind you, I assume that you are familiar also with the Supraverse, which exists directly above you, and the Subverse, which exists directly below you. As your counterpart in the Queen's Supraverse, I hope that I can offer you some consolation for the despair that you have been feeling. I know that you've lost hope in life because of the denouement of Battlestar Galactica and the entirety of the Watchmen movie. I'm writing to let you know that it could have been much, much worse. Here in Super Queens, the Watchmen were all Robocops, with actual superpowers who go on a secret spy mission to Russia, but then go rogue and end up nuking Japan. It is also dubbed in Swahili. Here, Battlestar Galactica ended with everyone settling on Earth, but soon thereafter, they start dropping dead, and then are visited by Ashton Kutcher, wearing an oxygen mask, telling everyone that they've been... And then the um, email cuts off suddenly. So I don't know what Ashton Kutcher says to them. Perhaps that they've been converted to Mormonism. I, d- I don't know. I don't know what he would say to them. I don't know either. What, who is Ashton Kutcher? Uh, well, uh, he's not a figure in history that I'm familiar with. Perhaps perhaps he's from ancient history uh, uh, before recorded time. That's possible. That's possible. Wikipedia says Ashton Kutcher was born February 7th, 1978, and is an American actor and former fashion model best known for playing Michael Kelso on the Fox sitcom That 70s Show. Oh, thank you. Robot, that was very helpful. Uh, you know a lot of facts, I guess, too. Oh well, well, uh, you know that's but that's not that's not really a historical fact. It's more of a you know pop culture fact. So 
it would make sense that I wouldn't know that and that he would know that. In many ways, pop culture is just another form of history. So I would, in fact, consider it a historical fact. Yes, but it's not It's not serious real history. I mean, real history is about, you know, important things. You mean historical facts like him being the first user of the social network Twitter to have one million followers? Well, obviously that's not new. I wouldn't say that that was an important historical fact. But that is a historical fact that is true about Ashton Kutcher. Well, look, all I'm saying is that I, I am actually, you know, a historical, serious historical studier. And, you know, if you're just some robot using Wikipedia, that doesn't actually count as a as historical study, so you know, I'm, I'm saying I'm still relevant to the show. You know, it's, it's I'm not replaceable. Is what I'm, I'm trying to get at. You know, it's not like it's some sort of interview thing, which anybody could do. Of course, a robot could easily do an interview. But <laughs> worry, don't worry, don't worry. Your your position is safe. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> Just because my robot could replace you, no, he couldn't. Is what I'm saying. I could. No, 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 no. Not and have the same e- emotional uh, connection to the historical facts which I, I have. So, and I, d- I think you d- it does take imagination to discover the realms that I do discover. And I, I I do not believe that you have an imagination. Right, right, right. It's okay. It's okay. Um. Okay. So everybody, write into castlerocks at gmail.com. Um. Did we did we actually answer the the questions from the... They weren't addressed to us. They were addressed to Jordan. Oh, uh, who? Actually, you know what? Jordan Robot, why don't you answer? Oh, thank you, Scapey. It would be my honor to answer. I do not care about the denouement of Battlestar Galactica. I do not care about the Watchmen movie. If they were worse in the universe that you are from, I apologize for you. But I have no sympathy, because I have not been programmed for sympathy. I have been programmed to agree with Scapey, and to dispense moist food, and subdue Frank Allen when told. As a result, Garth Black from the Superverse Queens, I do not care what you have written in. Good night. Very good. Very well answered, Robot. Thank you very much. Okay, so like I said, right into us, and that's about it. And I, I guess that's about it for tonight. Uh, thank you all for listening to my Scapey Podcast. <laughs> good night. episode of Cast and Wax. On guard duty, Dr. Fast talks about those useless things known as emotions. I blamed myself. The guilt was crushing. It threw me into a spiral of depression. I couldn't work. I couldn't fight crime. I couldn't relax. Only after I'd finally hit rock bottom could I begin climbing out of the pit of despair I'd sunken into. God, I'm so sorry, Irving. I had no idea. How long did it take you? Nearly five seconds. On Tractor Fiction, humans insist on stuffing food into their faces. Dinner isn't ready yet, so our beloved Uncle Mortimer is going to tell us a story. Now shut up and listen, please. It all started in England. There was a group of Christians called Puritans who wanted to worship God and reach the lost. 
plus historical information from Mr. Rory Sinjin. Sarah, I'm going to have an ice skating party to celebrate. Would you like to come with me? Of course, that sounds fantastic. And of course, Scapy will bring us one of the most amazing stories in the history of all time, regardless of what story it is. And it's all coming your way May 4th to the website known as waxwork.com.